0: morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Eric, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I'm not really sure whether to say Happy Thanksgiving or Merry Christmas. Do you kind of feel that way? We're, we're kind of in that no man's land between Thanksgiving is now over. It's not quite December. And yet, if you're observant, Christmas has exploded all around us, right? Um, <clears throat> so bring on Christmas, right? Yeah. How many of you, I'm curious, are like all about Christmas, doesn't matter what time of year, summer, you're rocking out to Christmas songs, okay, look around at those hands and take note to stay away from them maybe, right? Okay, so um, I, 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 I'm going to be honest, I was curious, I, I, I'm curious sometimes and, and so I, I took to a very good investigative tool, Facebook, and I asked how many of you just Christmas like runs rampant over everything in your life, right? Give me, you know, I, I ask, give me some, some differences in your families and in your holiday traditions between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like what, what does that look like? How many, you know, I was curious, how many uh, of you listen to Christmas music year round? How many of you are like wait until, you know, Thanksgiving is over and then? Like that's how I am, right? Okay, normally I do not, Play if I'm walking through the store and I hear Christmas music after Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving, it's like la 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 la. I don't want to hear it until the day after Thanksgiving. So Friday, my wife and I were driving back from Indiana. We played some Christmas music, right? But it was after Thanksgiving. So I was curious. I asked. I asked my Facebook friends. Some of you were kind enough to respond. And here were some of the answers that I got. It's basically, some said, some uh, love the Christmas season because of the lights. It just makes them feel all warm and fuzzy and makes their hearts go pitter-patter because they get to see the lights. Now, I get that to a small degree when you, when you get the Christmas tree set up. Anybody went and get, get their Christmas tree yesterday? A few, I saw some, some people on social media got the Christmas tree yesterday. Nothing wrong with that after Christmas or after Thanksgiving, right? So the, you get the tree set up, you have the lights, and it's just this sense of, like, calm. And peace, right? I, I can understand that. I can, I can go, there you have a nice warm cup of coffee and some music playing. It, it creates a, a, an atmosphere of just calm and peace and quiet, right? Uh, others said they like Christmas music because it's so happy and joyful and just fills their heart with gladness, right? Um, that I don't really get so much. You know, I hear grandma got ran over by a reindeer in July, and it makes me want, you know, to do terrible things. So, there's that. Somebody else said um, the good Christmas songs, right? Not that uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, but the good Christmas songs they like because they talk about Jesus, and so they're good with that throughout the year. I can understand that. Somebody else said uh, they really like to combine Thanksgiving with Christmas because they're thankful for Christ. Okay, I see that. I'll, I'll heed to that as well. Somebody else said uh, they love Christmas because it's about family, um, and, and they they love the excitement of getting to share family and have all their family together under one roof. I, I get that as well. Here here's the reality. In preparing for this series called the Gift this Christmas season, um, I, I let my heart uh, linger a little bit, dabble in the idea of Christmas before Thanksgiving was over. And then reading some of these people's reasoning on why Christmas is such a big deal before Thanksgiving, I, I have to be honest. I started uh, listening to Christmas music a little earlier. I started to feel my heart get excited. And then I walked into the church this morning and was like, oh my goodness, I got really excited about Christmas because it's like, it's here. And yet there are Way more of us that are are sane and want to keep them separate than those Christmas crazies that just want it all year long. So Sharon, I know you and some of your team are in that category. But this morning, we're combining Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we're going to work through um, Matthew and Luke and John. If you have a Bible, we're going to be there in just a moment. If not, you can put your hand up. Our ushers will get you one. But our topic today, as we start this new series, is the gift of family. The gift of family. Family sometimes is good. Let, let's be honest with ourselves, right? Sometimes family is good. Maybe you have that really good Thanksgiving experience and, and family's good. But sometimes family's bad. And it's full of drama. And family is, is sometimes not the best, right? Sometimes family is, is a sore subject. It's a hard topic that we avoid altogether. Maybe especially around holidays. If your family is still here, don't you know? Don't do that. Don't elbow them, right? Just keep looking straight ahead. <laughs> Look straight ahead. Um, here's the thing. Maybe you you lost a family member many years ago around Christmas, and it's just now a constant reminder of, of the pain and the loss. That's hard. That's really hard. Maybe you, you lost someone this year. Maybe you lost a, a family member, someone close to you this year. And so now you're you're like, this is gonna be the first Christmas without that person around. That's so hard. That's difficult. That's really hard. Maybe, maybe you and your spouse are separated or, or divorced and you're trying to figure out how do we do Christmas with the kids this year? Oh, there's just awful things that, that can happen that, that make thinking about family this time of year so difficult. The point is, while, while we can sing songs about Christmas as the most wonderful time of the year, it can also be the hardest time for some. I don't want to overlook that. I don't want to make light of that. I want us to recognize the difficulty of this season, of this time of year. Family is a gift. Family is important important. Family is good. Biblically, as we'll see hopefully today, family is, is great in God's eyes because he designed it. It's a gift that he gives us. Now, I didn't always understand that because, see, I was a teenager once, and I didn't get the importance of family. We had things called family reunions every month that made me scratch my head like, do I really have to eat Aunt Carol's cold potato salad again? Like, do, do I really have to go to another family reunion? I just saw them. It was boring. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. When, when I was a child, I, I, I didn't uh, really understand the importance of parents, right? Right? Maybe you, you had that moment, too. Hopefully, you're not still there. Um, but you, you tend to regret your parents, right? You, you, you think, you compare. You, you say, well, my friend, their parents are so much cooler than mine. And, you know, my, their parents, they're so much wealthier than mine. Or they have better things than we have. And you play that game, right? Maybe you even think, like, my parents are, are you know, they're, they're just gifted in different ways. And now they pass that on to me. Like, great. We compare, <laughs> We regret our parents. I remember um, wanting to do just about anything but spend time with my parents. You know, this time of year, my my dad would say, hey, let's watch the the Bears football game and decorate the tree, and mom will make cookies, and it'll just be a lot of fun. And then my friend would call and say, hey, you want to come over and help us scrub toilets? Yeah, I'm in. For sure. Right? It's that, that... Idea we have different phases and stages. Things you didn't want to know about me, right? Um, but the the reality is, is that family's good and bad. Family is a gift. This month is National Adoption Month. Culturally, And, and I, I was curious just to look up the word even adopted because the reality is there are people who are adopted. They, they don't have you know a, a family. And so that's an aspect of this family dynamic. And, and I found on uh, AmericanAdoption.com this definition of, of being adopted. It says when someone uses the term adopted as an adjective, it usually refers to a child. And it even says this, or an adult, who has legally become a part of a family other than their biological parents. And this morning, that's a part of the gift of family that we're going to discuss, that we're going to talk about. But look, here's the bottom line. If you, if you take nothing else away from this, it, it, I want you to remember this one thing. I even tried to make sure that it rhymed so that it would be memorable. But it's this, that, that I want you to know you have the option for adoption, You have the option for adoption to be a part of God's family. Say that with me. I have the option for adoption. This morning we're going to look at these family connections found in in Matthew chapter 1, in Luke chapter 1, and in John chapter 1. To see the the history of of the family of Christ, of of Jesus' parents, his his human parents, Mary and Joseph. And we'll kind of hopefully get a, a picture of what this is like and how God designed his son's earthly family. So let's start in Matthew chapter 1. We're not going to read the entire genealogy of Jesus because, I'll be honest, there's a lot of names in here that I probably can't pronounce right, and you'll judge me for that. So we're going to skip some of that, just being honest. (laughs) But we're going to start in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 1, Matthew in the New Testament. It says this, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and it goes on and on and on. You can see Abraham, the father of Isaac. Isaac, right? The father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And it goes on and on. We'll scroll through them here so that you can see them if you don't have a Bible. But, but look at the list of these names. The lineage of Jesus. The history of these names people. These aren't just names like written down. These are real people. If you've ever studied your your family's genealogy and gone back, my my grandfather did that, and I think he was able to get four, five, even six generations. But this is not just that. This is so much more. In fact, in verse 17, it even says, thus, there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Do the math there, that's a lot of generations. Now in verse 18 we see it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's kind of awkward. If you're a guy, that's probably a game changer. Your fiance is pregnant. If your kids are in here and they're, you're afraid they're going to ask about that later, you can thank me. <laughs> or you could have sent them to children's church. <laughs> um, man. Man. Here's what I mean. This is biblical. This is what happens. Like, l- let's look at this practically speaking. And, and as we read through Matthew chapter one, we're going to examine the life of Joseph as he understands this news. That's that's like, wait, what? My fiance, who who I'm engaged to, who I'm excited to plan my life together with, is pregnant. And not for me. I mean, we, he's like, we haven't even, yeah. Look what happens in verse 19. It says her husband, Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now now note that that's all that the angel of the Lord gives him, just a couple sentences. Joseph is very different as a man from his fiancee, Mary, as a woman, which we'll get into in a minute. But it says that that all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Verse 23, we see what that is. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to stop and, and point out here before we look at the female side. The, the male perspective here with Joseph, it's pretty simple. He, he has this fear. He's worried. Th- this wasn't my plan. This, this isn't how it was supposed to be. And he has this dream. An angel of the Lord tells him, calls him by name, Joseph, identifies him as a son of David, speaking to his lineage, which we've just seen, his Family history, the line of David, and he says, Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Now, there's something like major that you got to understand. Men will get this because we're men. Ladies, listen carefully. Every man has these questions that, that run through their mind and their hearts. It's how God's wired us. We have these questions like, Am I enough? Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to succeed? And see, a man doesn't want to get involved in something if he can't answer those questions positively. Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Will I fail? Can I do this? And if they can say yes, then they will. They'll they'll get involved. They'll move forward. And so I find it just super interesting that, that the angel of the Lord just says, to Joseph, do not, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, gives him the gender. Okay, some of the questions maybe Joseph's asking but doesn't say out loud because he's a dude. will be a son. You should call him Jesus. And Joseph's probably thinking, well, why? And so the angel of the Lord says, he will save his people from their sins. Joseph wakes up from his dream Okay, obedient to God. I mean, that's what it says, right? You want to see something fun? Let's turn to Luke. Let's look at the ladies' perspective here. Luke chapter 1 tells us the, the story of, of Mary and how the angel of the Lord breaks the news to her. In, in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. So same family, there's no discrepancy here, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he, the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, came to, to Mary, and he said this, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. This is kind of like when, when, guys, you have to send an email to, to a lady, and you've got to ask for something to your wife or something, and you're like, you know, hey, can you pick up milk at the store? Or even a text message. It, it will do you really good if you say, hey, beautiful, hope your day is well. Just by the way, if you could pick up some milk at the store, right? Those are two very different text messages. Ladies are, see, nodding their heads. Yeah, and, and so here the angel of the Lord says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Well, look at Mary's response. She's greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be so funny the angel said to her do not be afraid mary again speaks her name says do not be afraid do not fear for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name jesus he will be a he will be great and will be called the son of the most high And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. Now remember, the angel of the Lord said like two sentences to Joseph here. He sets it up with like, hey, blessings to you, favors upon you. And oh, by the way, here's all the things that you need to know. And look at Mary's response, verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She's got a question she's going to ask. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. So now the angel of the Lord not only answers Mary's question, but also says, oh, by the way, you don't have to go through this alone. Your relative, Elizabeth, is is expecting as well. And so Mary says in verse 38, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now there's some similarities here, right? But there's some differences. Because God knows how he's created man and woman. And yet, he he wants his son, his only son, to come into the world, to be the gift that gives us family. The questions that most women have in their heart, I even double-checked this with my wife this morning, the the questions that most women have in their hearts is, 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 am I safe? Am I secure? Will I be loved? That's what ladies are wondering, and here we see that with Mary in her response, in her dialogue with this angel of the Lord. That's what she's wondering. The angel says to Joseph, do not fear. The angel says to Mary, do not be afraid. Let's look at the story of Jesus. John chapter 1, turn over a few more pages. In John chapter 1, In verse 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I always found that interesting to think of of the fact that here, Jesus is, is born on earth as a baby, and yet he's always existed. If you keep reading, it talks about how he was there at the creation of the world. And yet, if we skip down to verse 10, it says that he came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and they rejected him. But check this, verse 12, look at this. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to be legally adopted, to be children of God to all who believed in him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13 then says, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Look, God could have sent His son Jesus to Earth fully as a man. It, it seems in Genesis one that when God created Adam, he, he created him as a full-grown man. And yet here, the new Adam, Jesus, is sent as a baby, in the form of a baby. Not I don't think that he could relate to us, but so that we could relate to him, because he is the gift. He is the gift that is all hinged upon. See, I found a quote in preparation for this that that really stuck with me. It resonated. In fact, if anything, it, it illustrated this idea that Jesus is the gift. It's this phrase that the life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities, two miracles, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. I'll say that again, the the life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. It's those brackets that mark the beginning of his life on earth as a human through the the birth of a virgin And, and that end bracket that marks the end of his days on earth as a human by an empty tomb. It's almost as if the life of Jesus and these brackets, the beginning and the end, form a box around his life. Not that we would box God in, but it's a picture of a gift, a gift that God has given to us, the gift of Jesus. Well, that raises a question in my mind. What do you get greater joy in? Giving a gift or receiving a gift? If, if we have a gift, if Jesus is the gift, and if we're thinking about a gift, which, honestly think just for a moment, which gives you greater joy, giving a gift or receiving a gift? Maybe you're like me, and I, I thought about this for way too long, and I couldn't make up my mind. There, there were Certain times where I'd rather give a gift. There are other times where I'd rather get a gift. But the answer was hard to give, and I think it depends on the situation. It depends on the gift. It depends on the person. It depends on the relationship. Right? Is it a coworker? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Is it my wife? Is it my son? Like it depends. But the 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 idea is that it hinges on a relationship. This implies that There's a more meaningful significance to giving a gift and getting a gift if there's a meaningful relationship, especially, dare I say, in our families. The closer we are, the harder it is to get a gift, and the closer we are, the harder it is to receive a gift. So another question, what kind of gift giver are you? Are you the kind of person that that plans that, that maps out that, like, you, you hear your, your son say in April, Oh man, I'd like to have that. And you, like, write it down on a note because you're like, I'm gonna get him that for Christmas in December. Are you the kind of gift giver that, like, waits until the very last minute and you're like, Oh no, it's Christmas Eve and I forgot to get my wife a gift. I gotta go to the mall. <laughs> Amazon, how quick can you ship to my house? Are you the kind of gift giver that, that spares no expense? Money's not an object. Are you the kind of person that it's homemade because it's with love? Right? <laughs> what kind of gift giver are you? What kind of gift receiver are you? When you get a gift, I'm curious, maybe some of you, are, you're like the, the people that just, you tear into it. You obliterate the wrapping and, and you just, the, this beautiful bow is like in a thousand pieces because you're just ripping that baby open. And then you, you, you get it open and it's like the Tasmanian devil, you, you get the present open and you see it and you're like, it's what I exactly, no, it's not what I wanted. Oh, yeah, thank you for the sweater. <laughs> and then you're like, ah, oh, I really wanted, maybe you do that. Maybe because of your fear of that, you don't open the gift when the people that gave it to you are around. Oh, thank you. And then you're like, I'll open that later. Or you take all your Christmas presents in your room. H- how do you receive a gift? How many of you, you've received a gift and you've re-gifted it? Oh, I know there are some of you out there. Wow, two blenders. Hmm. And you re-gift it to somebody, right? I-, I heard a story even recently of somebody who, who got a gift and they-, they-, they didn't open the box, they unwrapped it. The box was like of a blender or something, and they didn't open the box. They thought it was a blender, and it was something, not a blender, but it was something they really wanted. But they left it sit in the box for like a decade, and they didn't open it. To open the gifts that you receive... There's some connections here that I want to point out between the giver and the gift. Now, again, for our series, the gift is Jesus. It's a person. The gift is is a person. So let's look at the connections between the giver and the gift. In Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, we see this. It says, For unto us... Just that phrase, for unto us, it's the idea that we've been given something. For unto us, a child is born, a son is given. Now, this is the ESV, it's Eric's special version. (laughs) It stands for the English Standard Version. But it says, for unto us, a, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Look, God gave us a, a gift. And, and let me just say, this gift, the gift of Jesus, it's not like any other gift you've been given. It's not like any other gift you've received. It's not like any other gift. It's not the thing that you thought you wanted, but it wasn't, and your hopes were dashed it's not the thing that that you need and you get excited about in that moment but then two months later you don't need it and you don't know where it is and it, it's lost its value and you put it in the, the back of your closet it's not any of those things it's not something that that you open and is good for a moment but years later it's lost its value it's not even something that that if you keep in its wrapping in its package will gain an increase in value Look, Jesus isn't that kind of gift He's the best gift you could ever have. And he's perfect in every moment of every day, minute by minute, month by month. He's exactly what you need, and he wants to be what you want. See, Jesus is the perfect gift, but not only is he a one-time transaction the more you explore the gift and understand the intricacies of the gift and how you apply it to your life and how you put him to work in and through you, you begin to open new levels and new things become aware to you. He becomes real in a moment when you didn't think it was possible. I love that about Jesus He's the perfect gift. Look at Ephesians 1.5. It says this about God. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Here we're going back to this, this adoption aspect of being family, the gift of family. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. We see the connection between the giver and the gift. It gave him great pleasure. It's something he planned in advance to do. It tells us about who the giver is. But not just that. Through the gift of Christ, we have the option for adoption. We have the right to be a part of of the body of Christ, to be in his family, to have him as an everlasting father. Because of Jesus, we have the option for adoption. We have a heavenly father who made a way for us to be a part of his family. That's incredible. That's amazing. It doesn't matter what our family dynamics are on earth, good or bad or difficult, because we have a Heavenly Father who loves us so much that he gives the perfect gift. And the family aspect of this is just one avenue. Through this series, we'll talk about more ways that through the gift of Christ, we receive other gifts. Let's look at the connections between Jesus and me. If Jesus is the gift, and if I receive the gift... If I, if I take the gift and open it and use it, Galatians 3.26 says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ. Would you open a gift from a stranger? If some random guy walks up to you and he hands you a gift, you're standing in line at Starbucks and somebody hands you a box. It's not even wrapped very well. It's like real sketchy looking and you listen and it's like ticking. I don't know. I have a weird imagination. Would you open that box? Probably not, because the the person that gives you the gift matters, right? And so if God is the giver, and it says that through Christ, as we've been looking at the scriptures, that through Christ, if we put our faith in him, we become his children by accepting the gift that God has given us. Sometimes we might not think we can trust God that we can receive the gift that he's given us. But man, others of you, you've received this gift, you've accepted it, you've opened it, you live every day according to Jesus. And in and through him, you see him do amazing things in your life. And It doesn't matter whether you go through hard times or great times or difficulty or times of need, you, you see him at work. You see him in miraculous ways. And it's the greatest thing ever to be a part of the family of God. Galatians 4 says this, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. You ever feel like you're just, you're you're put in a box? Like you're a slave to your sin, to your shame, to your guilt, Man, it can feel that way sometimes, right? And yet, God, at just the right time, He sent His Son to be born of a woman, to buy us out of our freedom, so that we're no longer slaves to sin or shame or guilt, but that we can receive the perfect gift that God has given us, become His children. Verse six, this is so cool. Verse six, it says, and because we're his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. An heir. See, I didn't understand family. I didn't understand really the importance of family until I became a father. And now that I'm a dad, my my son is all of 16 months old. Oh my goodness, this thought of family, it wrecks me. Because here's what happens. My, My son, he's learned to walk, kind of. He's learned to talk, kind of. He looks at everything and says, ball, ball, ball. I'm like, that's not a ball. The dog's not a ball. But I'm glad that you know how to say ball. But then he looks at me and he says, dad, daddy. And he goes like this, and he lifts up his arms because he wants me to pick him up because he knows I'm his dad. And he wants to have intimacy with me. He wants to have a relationship with me. Even though he doesn't have the words to express it, he knows who I am. And he knows that I'm gonna give him good gifts. And see, that's just how our heavenly father is, only way better. He gives us just the right gift at just the right time. But you have to decide, will you receive it? Will you open it? Will you use it? What kind of gift getter are you? Do you just save this gift for a time of trouble when you're in need? Or do you take it out and experience Christ in every way, shape, and form? I've been adopted by God because of the gift And you have the option for adoption as well. What are you gonna do with it? We Open it up and explore. As we sing this last song, honestly, I want you to think about that. Some of you, you you know so clearly you're a child of God. You understand your identity, past and, and present. But some of you, as you're listening to this and you're thinking about gifts, you're not quite sure. Are you a child of God? And according to these passages that we've looked at, it's in belief in who God is, the giver of life, and in his son, Jesus, who took your place in mine to pay the price that we deserved, to pay the penalty for our sin, to rescue us out of our bondage, out of our sin, to give us new life, to to give us the gift of family, to be his children. And you know what? My last thought is this. If we're children of God, that makes you my brothers and sisters. That makes those of us who have a right relationship with God brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't think about that too long because that gets weird when you get married. But the reality is we should treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? That's really what this holiday season is about, And we have the opportunity to give this gift, to re-gift it to other people because we have it. So as we sing this last song, man, I challenge you to think about, do you have a new identity in Christ? Are you a child of God? Are you still a slave to sin?